I hope you all have your books with you. We are on chapter 11, Two Penniless Boys in Brindavan. Now, this chapter is both extremely amusing, but very instructive, not in deep and great philosophies as some of the other chapters have been, but in the simplicity of the relationship of the Devati and the Divine, and on that unshakable faith, which is the foundation of our spiritual lives. And we have to develop that faith, we have to work on that faith. It won't come as easily, and certainly what young Mukunda demonstrates in this chapter may not be our first step. We don't have to put ourselves in such a dramatic situation, but we do have to build our faith and we have to guard that faith against doubts. So let's see how this goes for each of us. Let's come back to a context. Mukunda and his friend Jitendra have just left the Mahamandal, that ashram they were in, in Varanasi and Banaras. And before heading back home to Calcutta and before going to see his guru in Serampur, Swami Sri Yukteswar, who he has newly, not quite newly, but once again met in this lifetime, the boys decide to go to Agra to visit Ananta, who is Mukunda's young Yogananda's eldest brother. Ananta starts this chapter off with these strong words. It would serve you right if father disinherited you, Mukunda. How foolishly you are throwing away your life. This is Ananta every moment he gets. Jitendra and I, fresh from the train, had just arrived at the home of Ananta, recently transferred from Calcutta to the ancient city of Agra. Ananta too is working for the Bengal Nagpur Railway. You know well, Ananta, I seek my inheritance from the Heavenly Father. Money first. God can come later. Who knows? Life may be too long. Ananta's quick reply. And Mukunda, not far behind. God first. Money is his slave. Who can tell? Life may be too short. Two very interesting viewpoints because many of us live in this both uh, soul uh, knowledge of immortality but also this delusion of immortality of the ego of the body somehow we feel we have a lot of time you know we keep procrastinating our intense search for god it's like okay right now i need to take care of all my you know i have a family i have my this i have my that let me just get it all right then, because then I'll be free, then I won't have to worry, then I will search for God. Because there's time, I'm still young. And of course, the way Mukunda is seeing it, who knows what's going to happen in life. And if I keep pushing this and I keep first running around the slave of God, which is money, I mean, what if I miss out completely? Good thought just for us to have. Then of course, they have, you know, a little back and forth brothers together. But then here he now says, Ananta, what are your plans, my wandering brother? Jitendra persuaded me to Agra. 
We shall view the beauties of the Taj Mahal here. Then we are going to my newly found guru who has a hermitage in Serampur. So very clear plans. Have a little fun first. Boys will be boys. And then go on to re resume his spiritual, spiritual disciplines. <clears throat> then the next morning, Ananta was, has been quiet all this while. And he's been looking at, at Mukunda with a little mischief in his eyes. And Mukunda says he knows something is about to happen. And then Ananta says, So you feel quite independent of father's wealth. And Mukunda, I am conscious of my dependence on God. Words are cheap. Life has shielded you thus far. What a plight if you were forced to look to the invisible hand for your food and shelter. You would soon be begging on the streets. Never. I would not put faith in passers-by rather than God. He can devise for his devotee a thousand resources besides the begging bowl. More rhetoric. Suppose I suggested that your wanted philosophy be put to a test in this tangible world. So you can see Ananta is wanting to also test his brother. Both from, of course, he's doing it from a very uh, selfish perhaps or uh, with an ulterior motive here. But it's also very important for the world to test our faith. And Ananta is playing a very vital role as the test because it's easy for us. You know, Narayani and I often just talk about it. It's easy for us when things are going well. You know, we have a wonderful Sangha here in Mumbai. We have absolutely fabulous friends who support this work, who allow us to serve them in the ways that we have but what if all of this weren't to exist what if one day all this were to go away what then would where then would our faith be what would we do then would we still be serving would we still live this life of intense search and it's an important question to ask never assume or presume that your faith is just strong because everything more or less seems to be working for you you want anything to say before we go on? No, let's go. Let's move. Okay. I would agree. Now this is Yogananda saying, I would agree. Do you confine God to a speculative world? We shall, we shall see, Ananta says. Today you shall have the opportunity either to enlarge or to confirm my own views. So Ananta is saying, I'm willing for you to show me. Either you'll confirm the fact that I know that all your I'm dependent only on God is just because everything's taken care of for you. Or will you be able to enlarge my own view to in fact include God as the primary source? And so he says, I propose that I send you and your fellow disciple Jitendra this morning to the nearby city of Vrindavan. You must not take a single rupee. You must not beg either for food or money. You must not reveal your predicament to anyone. You must not go without your meals. And you must not be stranded in Vrindavan. If you return to my bungalow here before 12 o'clock tonight, without having broken any rule of the test, I shall be the most astonished man in Agra. 
quite uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he's really thought about it he's put every condition just perfectly there's no loopholes in there that these young boys can exploit and this is Ananta's essential uh, test of his own brother and in a certain hope that this would be the final blow he can deliver to Yogananda's craziness and bring him back home into the fold I accept the challenge no hesitation was in my words or in my heart oops looks like we're having trouble I don't know if the live video is still on but we're going to assume it is because the clock is ticking but the video has disappeared all right let's you want to stop for a moment yes, please for a moment let's just look to those words no hesitation was in my words or in my heart i mean a key sentence the kind of conviction we need to have not only when we speak but it needs to resonate with truth only then they are powerful and we can see here how Yogananda, the young Mukunda, knew that no matter what his brother asked of or what kind of challenge, I mean, he was convinced that God would take care of him. So I really appreciated that Mukunda wrote these words here, Yogananda. There was no hesitation, there was no resistance, there was no fear or doubt it's just like with that conviction and i think that's a state and achievement that we should accomplish really on the spiritual path to develop that conviction that no matter what you know our guru will ask of us whatever life will bring us whatever tests we'll need to face to be to live in the assurance that God indeed is taking care of us. So Ananta has just proposed quite a difficult task to young Mukunda. He has accepted the challenge and he says, no hesitation was in my words or in my heart. Narayani, you want to repeat your... No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Narayani gave this beautiful explanation of the hesitation that we feel. I don't know if you were able to listen to that or not. But perhaps we'll, you know, put up this uh, recorded video later on. And with that, half an hour later, Jitendra and I were in possession of one-way tickets for our impromptu trip. So, now the fun begins. As faith invaded the serious realms of finance... Okay, we are on page 96. Nine six, for those of you who just joined and who have this particular yeah. version so Yogananda says humorously here as faith invaded the serious realms of finance my friend spoke protestingly so now you see at the moment as long as faith is in the in this vague kind of state of ha ha sab theek hai everything will be fine but the moment faith meets something real meets something that we hold extremely dear to that we're extremely attached to 
then it's like okay let me see if i really have any faith and so jitendra says to ananta ananta give me one or two rupees as a safeguard <laughs> then i can telegraph you in case of misfortune so immediately we are like i love and i believe god completely however you know why don't i just just in case just in case god is looking elsewhere or he's taken a holiday and mukunda says jitendra i will not proceed with the test if you take any money as final security mukunda's fate is strong he's so clear and he wants to in a sense both show his brother but also as a devotee he wants to also experience this faith for himself there is something <laughs> reassuring about the clink of coins jitendra says and that's our that we we're, we're so accustomed to that there's just something reassuring ki bank mein paisa hai wallet mein paisa hai there's just something that makes us feel like okay as long as that is there now i can now i can have full faith but this is a wonderful opportunity for us to go even beyond that if by any chance or grace now this is ananta who has kind of realized that he's putting his brother and friend through quite a serious test and so he adds this aspect to it and says to mukunda if by any chance or grace you pass successfully through the brindavan ordeal i shall ask you to initiate me as your disciple isn't that is that that's a big thing especially coming from ananta especially coming in a time and an age this is the 1800s where the elder brother is you know the head and has to not to listen to the younger one and here ananta says if you can demonstrate to me the power of your faith the power of the divine i will become your disciple i will ask you to initiate me as your disciple so a big thing i think ananta also realized as you know being responsible of his younger brother the kind of challenge that he asked of mukunda and his friend he sent them off to a you know a different city and he made them promise him you know not have not organize anything not to bring money i mean like completely i mean empty so i think he realized the greatness i mean of what he was asking them and he also i think in the back of his mind <laughs> he felt mukunda wouldn't pass this test and he proposed himself to become a disciple because i think he he perhaps hoped expected that this was so huge and so so realistic that mukunda wouldn't be able to pass that anyways is interesting the dynamic that ananta and mukunda had so now they're on the train <laughs> chugging away on the way to vrindavan and already jitendra says i see no sign that god is going to supply our next meal <laughs> all his faith all everything that he said here i am to give my life to god it's it's starting to evaporate but very understandably so i see no sign that god is going to provide our next meal 
And Mukunda says, Be quiet, doubting Thomas. The Lord is working with us. For those of you who do not know doubting Thomas, Thomas was one of the 12 disciples of Christ. And after Christ resurrected, after his crucifixion, and he rose again, when all the disciples were saying, Oh my God, Christ has resurrected, he's alive again. Thomas was saying, Until I don't see it with my own eyes, and until I don't touch his wounds because he was hurt badly, I will not believe. And suddenly Christ appears and he says, O ye of little faith, you know, lest you see miracles, you shall not believe. And so that is our, that is who we are. Until we don't see these magical displays, you know, we don't really want to believe or our belief is more intellectual than practical. The other very interesting word here is the Lord is working with us. And this with is actually a very important word. The Lord is not working for us. The Lord is working with us, which means what? That depending on how we act, God is going to act with us. He's not just here to say, okay, you need this. Okay, fine. You know, here's this. He's going to watch and see what you do and respond appropriately. This is a very key teaching for all of us. Don't expect God to, you know, just no matter how you behave, no matter where your faith is, no matter what you do, whether you practice your spiritual practices, whether you hold on to these higher ideals and principles that God is somehow beholden to you. No, he will work with you, but not for you. And then Jitendra says jokingly, can you also arrange that he hurry? Already I am famished. Merely at the prospect before us. Cheer up, Jitendra. Are we not to have our first glimpse of the sacred wonders of Vrindavan? I am in deep joy at the thought of treading the ground hallowed by feet of Lord Krishna. Again, Mukunda is just in his absolute love for mm -hmm. God. And he's only seeing, wow, look at this. God has arranged for us to come visit his own city. That city hallowed by Krishna. And now we get to be there and have that first glimpse of his presence there. It gives us a glimpse also of we always have a choice how to perceive life. And I think Jitendra and Mukunda are kind of um, exemplifying that, the same coin with two sides. Now, what kind of the, what, what side of life you want to see? Do you want only to see the more superficial, materialistic, aspect of it or do we want to focus in seeing the divine behind everything and being that our kind of moving force that everything that we do is based and motivated by that divine perception that we want to develop in everything we do even in a trip like this so I think it will be good for us to start if we need to choose every day what do we want to focus, what do we want to see, what do we want to be concerned about, um, do we want to be worried about you know, the more mundane superficial things or do we want to keep emphasizing day by day how to perceive the divine in everything. The door of our compartment opened and two men seated themselves. 
the leela has begun the play the fun has begun young lads do you have friends in vrindavan <laughs> such a out of context question and the young mukunda none of your business <laughs> he's not even going to he's not ready to see that this the first thing must be god he's always like until you know he's he's keeping himself waiting you are probably flying away from your families under the enchantment of the stealer of hearts that is hari i am of devotional temperament myself i will make it my positive duty to see that you receive food and shelter from this overpowering heat god has immediately answered their prayers you mean immediately showing okay two people coming they're going to do this for you and what does young mukunda say no sir let us alone you are very kind but you are mistaken in judging us to be truants from home in a sense you can see mukunda also just ensuring that he just doesn't jump onto the first thing like ah oh, finally yes god no he's just like he's even keeping such a dignity he's keeping such um, distance from what he desires <laughs> and from allowing that to become the force that makes him love god even more he doesn't want to love god because god fulfills his desires you see and that's very important for us he wants to love god because he loves god and so he's keeping that little distance rather than Jumping. letting his impulses and his desires suddenly say oh wow oh amazing god you oh aap aa gaye ho you know okay no none of your business no you have mistaken us very kind of you but we don't need your help and then no further conversation ensued however the moment the train came to a halt and they descended to the platform our chance companions linked arms with us and summoned a horse carriage so god's not going to let you go so easily when he's seen especially that ah this love is real love this faith is real faith then he's going to even against your will help you <laughs> and so these two men take mukunda and jitendra to this beautiful ashram in there um they present these two boys to the matron of the ashram and they say gorima the princes could not come at the last moment their plans went awry they send deep regrets but we have brought two other guests as soon as we met them on the train i felt drawn to them as devotees of lord krishna and then they say goodbye friends and these two men leave and they leave them there and gorima says you are welcome here and you could not have come on a better day i was expecting two royal patrons of this hermitage what a shame if my cooking had found none to appreciate it and suddenly she lays out a feast that was meant for princes to these young two boys delicacies they had never seen before in their lives and so not only did god meet the bare minimum requirements of this test of this condition but he was showing them that your faith in me is what magnetizes my abundance and then yogananda of course while they're eating says doubting thomas the lord works and in a hurry too
Now, and while they are eating, the hostess is using a pankha to, you know, fan them from the heat. I mean, just, I mean, it's so, as Narayani was saying before, surreal. They've been lifted up into an entire world that they otherwise would never have experienced had they come to Vrindavan with their own money, with their own desires, with their own ye khate hain, wo karte hain. And now, when they have come as the guests of God, look how they are being treated. Yes. <clears throat> the moment they have finished the meal, they have left the ashram, they are back out on the streets, they're back in the heat of the day, immediately Jitendra starts wavering again. A fine mess you have got me into. Our luncheon was only accidental good fortune. How can we see the sights of the city without a single pice between us? And how on earth are you going to take me back to Ananda's? So you can, you can see this need of the ego to really constantly want to refer to itself. You know, it's all about me, me, me. A fine mess you have got me into. The lunch was accidental good fortune. How can we see the sights of the city and how can you bring me back to Agra? So already as, as the ego starts to bring in and this is, this is the constant war. Doubt versus faith, ego versus soul aspiration. And all of us have this soul aspiration. All of us want to believe in something higher. But these doubts which are placed in us from our own experience, we've, we've seen life to be harsh. We've seen money works. We've seen power works. We've seen when I have, you know, a certain connection here, then it works well. So our faith in the world is quite strong because we see the world more or less work, or at least we know the dynamics of the world. But of God, you know, that's, we're not certain of God's ways. And so for our faith to be tested, it's very natural. But these doubts, Yogananda would say, the doubter is the most miserable of sinners. Sinners, of course, here he meant all of us who are constantly karmically drawn and bound. But the most miserable, you see, a person who lives in ignorance, who doesn't care for higher principles, who just wants to live by his senses, by pleasure, by whatever the world can offer him. In a sense, ignorance is bliss, right? He doesn't worry. He just gets what he gets. He doesn't get what he doesn't get. But for those of us who have higher aspirations, our doubts are like acid and they'll start eating at those higher aspirations and we have to really guard ourselves from them. Swami Kriyananda as a young monk was told by his guru that in many lifetimes you were eaten by doubts. He says, but no more. And Swamiji would tell us, he says, it is in fact because I have had every possible doubt that anybody could have that I have then been able to essentially share and bring these teachings from every possible angle. No wonder he wrote 150 books from every possible angle because he's gone through every possible angle. So our doubts can be springboards for us to rise to higher realities from, but they can also draw us down as they are doing with Jitendra right now. You forget God quickly now that your stomach is filled. Such true words. 
How short is human memory for divine favors? No man lives who has not seen certain of his prayers answered. Now this is very true, but again, our human memory is very, very short term when it comes to God's presence in our lives. How quickly we think, maybe that was just a coincidence, maybe that was accidental, maybe this time it had worked, but I don't think it will work this time. A slight young man, now again, instantly God appears. A slight young man of pleasing countenance approached up at rapid pace. Halting under our tree, he bowed before me. Dear friend, you and your companion must be strangers here. Permit me to be your host and guide. So sweet. <laughs> but Mukunda again. I politely declined the offer. But the young boy says, You are surely not banishing me. The stranger's alarm would have been comic in any other circumstances. And Mukunda says, Why not? And the boy says, You are my guru. During my midday devotions, the blessed Lord Krishna appeared in a vision. He showed me two forsaken figures under this very tree. One face was yours, my master. Often have I seen it in meditation. What joy if you accept my humble services. The play of the Lord is so strange, isn't it? Here you have Mukunda and Jitendra in their own predicament. But then you have this another one soul who needs to be guided to his guru, who has his own spiritual path and journey that he needs to keep moving forward on. And the divine finds the most interesting ways to have these karmas, to have these paths intersect. Two boys lost in Vrindavan, one boy needing to find his guru. Lo and behold, both happens together. And of course, at this time, Mukunda agrees. He realizes this is something greater at play here. Now, mind you, young Mukunda is young. <laughs> and already, this boy is coming to him and saying, you are my guru. He himself has just found his guru, but he is already a guru to others. And so they see the sights, they see the sounds, they have a wonderful time. They eat again heartily. And after that, this boy brings them back to the station. It is night time now. You want to say something before no. we continue? And before they are about to get on the train. In fact, they're at the station. The boy does not know any of their predicament because that was one of the conditions. They were not to share with anybody how wonderful. So they couldn't even tell these people, oh, you know, it's so amazing because I, I had this test and I was supposed to be here without any money. And oh my, it's amazing that God has sent you. They had to act as if this was just natural, normal, that they're just party. You know, so they're at the station and they are not telling this boy that we don't have any money, we don't have any tickets, how are we going to get home? But of course, again, he comes to them, offering them gifts, sweets and some money and says, please allow me to gain this religious merit. Pratap, the young boy, smiled pleadingly as he held out a bundle of rupee notes and two tickets just purchased to Agra. Just fabulous. 
the reverence this is yogananda saying the reverence of my acceptance was for the invisible hand scoffed at by ananta and its bounty not far exceeded necessity sorry let me read that again scoffed at by ananta had its bounty not far exceeded necessity so yogananda as he was accepting this his reverence really was he was accepting it as that channel of the divine knowing just how loving and how wonderful his relationship with god was and how powerful that relationship was strengthened now even more and i think this is a secret on the spiritual path for not become attached to pers- to people to circumstances to what you receive in itself because when we start perceiving everything that comes to us not just from that person or from that gift but seeing the giver behind those gifts i think we we free ourselves uh, from that attachment and that entanglement tangle entanglement that we create between us and material things as and people as and and circumstances so very very important to keep practicing that approach to life where everything that comes to us god uses people uses things uses situations but they are not those things or people in themselves those are just vehicles and as much as we can detach you know those two realities i think the safer will be on the path pratap i will instruct you now in the kriya of lahri mahashaya the greatest yogi of modern times his technique will be your guru yogananda knows that he will not obviously see this boy again and he wants to empower him with something that will continue to build his spiritual life a very interesting side note years later swami kriyananda as a young monk asked his guru yogananda and said master what about that boy in vrindavan who you initiated have you ever been in touch with him again and yogananda says outwardly no but inwardly he is always in touch with me and that's the relationship we need to be developing inwardly to be always in touch with the guru don't look for the guru's body don't look for the guru's don't lean on the guru as a crutch but make him a living strength and power within you that grows daily as you connect with it as you water it with your practices with your devotion just as this boy pratap did in fact yogananda said he is very close to liberation and so he then explains to pratap after initiating him says kriya is your chintamani chintamani for those of you who are not familiar with the indian philosophy is the is like the philosopher's stone it is a it is a jewel that can give you is all a wish fulfilling jewel the technique which as you see is simple 
embodies the art of quickening man's spiritual evolution. Hindu scriptures teach that the incarnating ego requires a million years to obtain liberation from Maya. This natural period is greatly shortened through Kriya Yoga. Just as Jagdish Chandra Bose has demonstrated that plant, gro plant growth can be accelerated far beyond its normal rate, so man's psychological development can be also speeded by an inner science. Be faithful in your practice. You will approach the Guru of all Gurus. That means God. It's lovely to think of God as the Guru of our Guru. God as the Param Guru. It's a lovely relationship to create that way. But here Yogananda gives us just a little hint, a little preview. Later on there is an entire chapter called the Science of Kriya Yoga. But here he's helping us just see already how that process of quickening our evolution through the rapid burning and neutralization of our karmas that the practice of Kriya Yoga affects in us. And then they get on the train, they get back home, and then Yogananda approaching Ananta's house says, Midnight was approaching. The two Cinderella's sent forth penniless, entered Ananta's bedroom. His face, as he had promised, was a study in an astonishment. Silently, I showered the table with rupees. Not only had they gone penniless, but they came back home with so much more. And Ananta looks at Jitendra and says, Jitendra, the truth, has not the young, this youngster been staging a hold-up? And then Ananta, after listening to the entire tale, finally says, humbled, says, the law of demand and supply reaches into subtler realms than I had supposed. I understand for the first time your indifference to the waltz and vulgar accumulations of the world. Finally, Ananta suddenly has a veil lifted from him because for some of us, we need these drastic uh, confirmations because we have so much of our faith in money, so much of our energy and attachment in the world until that to a certain degree hasn't been kind of struck. We, won't, we can't see any other reality and that's what's happened with, with Ananta here. Late as it was, my brother insisted that he received Diksha into Kriya Yoga. The Guru Mukunda had to shoulder the responsibility of two unsought disciples in one day. Wonderful! Suddenly Yogananda had to have two disciples. Isn't this just such a fascinating story from so many levels? Not just from the perspective of, oh, isn't it wonderful how God takes care of us who have faith? But then Pratap was led to his Guru, Ananta steps onto the spiritual path in such a bewildering way. I mean, who would have thought Ananta would ever, I mean, let alone then accept his own brother as his guru and get initiated into Kriya Yoga. 
even Jitendra, the experience he had with Mukunda that day, you know, it may have been incredible for him. So I know it, this may not be happening to us on a daily basis, but it can. And why not? Why shouldn't it happen to us? Narayani and I have seen this time and time again in our own lives that God just provides so much more than you need. But it takes also so much more from you to be able to receive that abundance. It's not for everyone. This faith is not for everyone. This gift of God's love is not for everyone because God works with us. He doesn't work for us. Let's close our chapter now beautifully. Later on they go on and see the Taj Mahal and they have a wonderful time. But then finally Mukunda says, enough of sightseeing. I was longing for my Guru and Jitendra and I were shortly travelling south by train toward Bengal. But then again, Jitendra, poor Jitendra, <laughs> again, a little wail. Mukunda, I have not seen my family in months. I have changed my mind. Perhaps later I shall visit your master in Serampur. Oh well. There's a beautiful chant of Paramahans Yogananda. Devotees come, devotees may go, but I will be thine always. Devotees will come and go. Don't look to them. In fact, Swami Kriyananda made the quite astonishing statement that even in Mount Washington in Los Angeles, which was the headquarters, the main ashram of Paramahans Yogananda, he said it was like a hotel with a revolving door. Disciples came, disciples went. Not all could stand that shining light of the Guru's presence, that light, because that light showed us our own inadequacies. And in some ways, Jitendra, for how wonderful and how beautiful, how miraculous an experience he's been through, it's kind of showed him his own inadequacy. And many of us, when our own inadequacies are shown to us, we shy from them. We don't want to know that we have all these issues. And so we settle for mediocrity. We settle for, you know, a place where this light won't be shown on us. And so if you are one who faces doubts, and we all face doubts, this is the most natural aspect of the spiritual path. Don't let them turn you away. Don't let them change your love for God. Use your doubts as a means to test your faith, to put it before God and to, to ask him to help you to go beyond them. Okay, so my friend Jitendra left me in Calcutta. By local train, I soon reached Serampur, 12 miles to the north. A throb of wonderment stole over me as I realized that 28 days had elapsed since the Benares meeting with my Guru. You will come to me in four weeks. Remember, these were the words of Swami Sri Yukteswarji. Here I was, heart pounding, standing within his courtyard on quiet Raighat Lane. 
I entered for the first time the hermitage where I was to spend the better part of the next ten years with India's Gyan Avatar, incarnation of wisdom. And so we end chapter 11, Two Penniless Boys in Vrindavan. As fun, as amusing, as wondrous this chapter was, this tale was, let's see today and this coming week in our own lives. What is our faith? What doubts do we have? How easily do our doubts outweigh our faith and love? And are we willing to test our faith or is our faith mere lip service because more or less things are working out for us <laughs> all right that was beautiful i want to add a little thing about this chapter that even in the middle of the test whatever that might be if we go through it with God awareness, with the conviction that He's going to take care of our lives, it becomes an adventure. It becomes fun. It becomes like, let's see what's going to happen today. Let's see how God is going to take care of me today. That's the kind of wonder and adventurous energy we should live our lives daily. I mean, this trip to Brindaban gives us a glimpse of how fun and how wonderful our life can be when we bring God in the picture. So I, I'm going to take this from this chapter. I just need to be more, having more fun in, in really in that conviction in f conviction in fact when the um, pandemic started two weeks into it so many people wrote us and you know call us hey guys do you have enough food do you have enough this do you have you bought extra this extra that we never really bought more than necessary in fact we just went day by day some days shops were closed but we had a little bit of this a little bit of that never for a moment we felt fearful of what could come next or what about if we don't have or what about in fact it really was such an adventure to say okay let's see what happens let's see how many more days we need to be at home without going you know buying things so it was really, it has been an experience for us and we wanted to make that conscious decision of we are not going to be worried, 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 worried about what's going to happen because God indeed is taking care of our lives. So see in your life where are those little moments and places where you really need to relax a little bit more and allow you know god help you and show you and working with you <laughs>